as you know Tabernacle of David is um, very much a New Testament subject and um, just to refresh our memories we'll flick into Acts where it's mentioned and in Acts chapter 15 chapter 15 and uh, and in verse 14 we, we have these words Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men I might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And we see that um, the thing that's going to be restored as we or, or build, built again is the tabernacle of David and as I've said in the previous meetings not the tabernacle of Moses it was strange I was speaking to a minister today uh, Anglican minister and we discussed something and he said ah he said yes he said, but that's Old Testament I said now just a minute Jesus said man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God I said where's this old and new come from I believe in the everlasting covenant you're a member of that covenant aren't you he said oh yes I said good but if it's everlasting there isn't an old and a new with a division people always want to chop and change and choose what they want to believe you know we won't believe this because doesn't matter and yet God said God in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning and here we have in the scriptures when the Gentiles first received the Holy Ghost this is speaking of Cornelius's household this was spoken of by the prophets it's the building again of the tabernacle of David and so we're going back with the restoration of the tabernacle of David because if it was foretold that that was going to be restored then any Christian who's a Gentile needs to know what it means because all these things are written for our instruction and reproof okay so back we went and we've um, looked at you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6 how um, David got a bit upset when he put the ark upon a new cart and the oxen stumbled and the cart shook and user put his hand forward to steady it and bang and user's name meant strength which meant it was a carnal way even though he was a priest he got struck dead by the power of God and David got a bit upset decided that the ark was too hot to handle after being shown up in front of 29,999 choice men of Israel and one dead one uh, David didn't appreciate that had a little argument with God about it and 
ditched the ark in Obed-Edom's house and Obed-Edom um, as you remember was a Gentile and away he went and then people came to the king and said after three months look at Obed-Edom everything that he touches prospers all his house is prospering everything's prospering and David hears it and sees it and we went through the five things that we're always accompanying the presence of God. And now I want to go on to the result. Because when God moves like that, it brings a result. And um, so tonight we're going to study the result it had upon David. And it's important that we see that um, as God moves, it brings results in people's lives. People go one of two ways, you know, to light. In or out. They always go one of two ways. And that's the wonderful thing about it. Light is, is something that is very, very, um, uh, what shall I say, um, discerning. Because light really shows people for what they are. You find the Pharisees, when Jesus spoke, they sure manifested what they were, didn't they? And the needy ones, well, they manifested what they were too. And people always respond in one of two ways to the word of God. They either get very angry and uptight inside and bitter and, I'm not having that, and start justifying themselves, or they humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and God begins to move in their lives and hearts and put them right. And all the time, God moves that way. And we always need to have a teachable attitude. We've got to learn. And the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides. And that's a wonderful thing about it. Great division comes. People say to me, all oh, the work of the spirits to unite. I don't believe that. Work of the spirits to divide. Glory to God. Jesus said it was. It's interesting, there was something else I meant to mention at the Bible study. There were two things that I didn't agree with. And one of them that was mentioned was the, about Jesus and the fire. Uh, something about the minor prophet. Now, let me see what he said. It just comes straight to my mind now about the fact Jesus is the fire of God. And the fire was kindled when Christ came. Don't expect the fire at the second coming. The fire came at the first coming. Because Jesus says in Luke, he says, um, uh, I've come to send fire on the earth, and what if it's already kindled? Um, and Jesus has come to be a consuming fire. And at Pentecost, it came, and we saw that the fire fell on other men. To begin with, the fire was in him alone, burning. Furnace of love. And love, of course, is very different from what men want to make it. Uh, humanity and the Pharisees would make God out to be humanistic. And, you know, at a human level. But God is so different. Righteous and full of judgment and fiery indignation against his enemies. Full of love and compassion to those who can't help themselves. And totally different from what we expect. 
we either get the idea that God is um, you know kind of a sugar daddy and he'll bless us anyway no matter what we do or we get the impression that he sits up with like an old man with a grey beard and long hair on a throne somewhere and a bit benign man's image of him is so wrong when the light of God comes changes all that you begin to understand God's ways and God's dealings and it's not like the human God says my thoughts are not your thoughts something else my ways aren't your ways and so all man's ways are the wrong ways Jesus went right against the tide when he came everything he did went against the flow you know God's so different than we really expect him to be he's not a bit human thank God when I say human he's perfectly human in the Christ sense but humanity isn't humanity it's inhumanity human beings cease to be human in the fall they became inhuman do remember that they ceased to have the nature and image of God and everyone doesn't possess that image they possess the inhuman image that satanic taint is in them and it's only when Christ really meets an individual that they get the first glimpse and this good book tells us just how God moves and how he thinks and the way he goes it's a shame that people want to cut out the Old Testament pretend it doesn't apply because it's the only scripture there is as Timothy um, Paul wrote to Timothy all scriptures given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost he was talking of the Old Testament not the New and we need that don't we Amen and so we go back to the tabernacle of David don't get me wrong I'm not saying that we abandon the New I'm just saying we get a balance you get a bird with one wing it'll fly in circles if it takes off the ground that's how most Christians go until they disappear Psalm I won't say the rest that David's thinking Psalm 23 verse 4 just um, my eye fell on another scripture which I just mentioned total digression but Job you know when he was going through his trials um, 
you needn't look this up it says even today is my complaint bitter my stroke is heavier than my groaning oh that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments you know when people are confronted with God and when he afflicts their souls that's one of the things they do they get before God they're not getting there to get right with God's heart they're getting there to have a good argument with him aren't they light comes and people what they want to do they don't want to get right with God they come full of arguments you don't understand the way it is you don't know don't care no one loves me and then off they go with their arguments to God and they complain to God it's a little wonder that Job felt he couldn't find God at that time you see God's never one to sit down and listen to your arguments he just leaves you alone you never find him that way when you come to the end of yourself and you give up your arguments you say okay I've made a mess of it now Lord I need your help then he comes along and says you sure you're finished say <laughs> oh yeah anyway in Psalm 23 and verse 4 David wrote this yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff comfort me now where do you think the valley of death was? Hmm? Well I think it was where he saw users stretched out on the floor. Now here Lord, here we were, we were going to bring your presence back in the people. Now I've got 29,999 people looking at me and look at what you've done to me. I brought them all up with singing and dancing. They were bringing the, your glory back on the car. And you go and strike someone dead. Now, he knew that, but he learned a lesson. Thank God he learned a lesson. Because he go, if you look a little higher, he says in verse 3, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and how does he do it hmm? his rod and his star um, Psalm 119 Now, one of the things we need to note in verse 65 says this. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord. How? According unto thy word. Now, how's God going to deal with you? Huh? How will God deal with you? Hmm? according to his word 
Now God in everything in your life God's going to deal with you after the pattern He's going to deal with you according to his word Now this was written in the Psalms But it's the same now as it ever was Faith cometh by hearing the word of God If you don't hear the word of God you won't get faith But one thing's certain God's going to deal with us according to his word Not according to what we think but according to his word now David was very upset when user dropped dead wasn't he but God dealt with user according to his word he said if you touch the ark you'll die and there was a priest who put out his hand to touch the ark and bang he was dealt with according to God's word in Deuteronomy it told him touch it and you're dead well he proved it was true didn't he hmm? I'm sure it wasn't kind of what he wanted to prove but he sure made a success of it there he was laid out dead and God promises that and then he goes on to say teach me good judgment and knowledge for I have believed thy commandments and we read this the other night before I was afflicted I went astray but now have I kept thy word and we see that David was afflicted when Uzzah was struck dead David went into a soul he ditched the ark off in Obed-Edom's house and off he went now he's told how wonderful the things that happened to Obed-Edom and he decides well we've got to bring the ark back but he knows what happened and David was a man who sought God in the early part of his life I knew the scriptures he knew about the temple of God he knew about um, the tabernacle of God uh, he knew about the priesthood in fact that you remember when he was fleeing from Saul he went and took the showbread at one time Do you remember that and David was quite familiar with the things of God and he knew the Lord and some of the Psalms are written from his early days when he used to sit with his sheep I dare say singing and of course he knew how to minister and get rid of evil spirits from Saul he used to play and sing and the spirit, you evil spirit used to depart from Saul and he knew the presence of God and he testified how one day a lion had come and stolen a lamb and he took the lion by the beard and slew it how about that and then a bear came along and he slew that too and then one day came across an uncircumcised Philistine who had glandular problems called Goliath and he slew him too and that was that and um, when he went out against Goliath Goliath said who are you coming out as though you're coming against a dog you know David said who am I not a bit of it he said I come in the name of the Lord of hosts and who are you to defy him that was David's attitude he knew God and he had a respect to God and yet for some reason when he got it into his heart to bring up the tabernacle of God the ark of God um, which had laid for so long outside of Israel 
he went his own way and did it according to the advice of his captains and then he saw the breach made now Obed-Edom has been blessed and so we go on with the story and um, God begins to deal with his soul and if you turn with me to 1 Chronicles pick up the story um, um, if you go to 1 Chronicles 13 you will find that um, David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds uh, and with every leader and they made a new cart alright in chapter 13 now we've been studying it in Samuel and this is the parallel version in Chronicles. Alright? And you remember, uh, so we left it in verse 13 of 13. So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. Alright? And the Lord, in the last verse, blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. And then there's a little war with the Philistines. And it's interesting to note that the battle with the Philistines is in between the work of the flesh when David tried to bring it up and the work of the spirit. And we go on into chapter 15 verse 1. Um, and it says this, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Now, up to this point, no preparation had been made. When David went off to collect the Ark of God originally, he made no provision for where he was going to put it. He was just going to get it. I don't think he'd thought that far ahead. But now, he makes preparation. And after beating the Philistines the second time, his, his, the fame of him uh, went out throughout all the land, and it says and fame of David went out into all the lands and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations and then he decides to go and get the ark but the first thing he does is he prepares a place to put the ark in and you all know where he put the tent no well Mount Zion and that has great significance as we're going on to see but I don't want to go there just yet. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel to give a, together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. I want you to notice something. Before, who did David gather? The choice men. Now, David gathers all Jerusalem. In other words, he says, look, 
let's get everyone together we're going to bring up the ark of god now he brings all jerusalem together and he says we're going to go and get the ark of god but he says none must carry it but the levites that's the way it's got to come back and of course he's referring back to the early scriptures and realizes god's way in doing it um, and, David, and David verse 4 assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites and then it goes through who they were and he said unto them in verse 12 you are the chief of, your fa of the fathers of the Levites sanctify yourselves both you and your brethren that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it because for because ye did it not at the first the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order now David said look there was nothing wrong with seeking to bring back the ark of God we've pitched a tent for it and I want to make it plain that the tent that was pitched for it was not the tabernacle the tabernacle was in another place as we're coming on to see later on and the priests were still sacrificing in the old tabernacle in the old way and David pinches a new tent in Mount Zion and off they go and, and he says now look the reason the breach was made on us you Levites is because you didn't do it right you sat on the cart and you sat on the cart and the, the ark should have been carried on the Levite's shoulders you didn't do it that way and the priest should have known that and he says you didn't do it after the due order that God had laid down and God lays down a due order and if we're to seek God there is a way of seeking God that brings results without disaster and the reason that so many ministries crash and that so many ministries go wrong is the Levites don't bring in the glory of God after the due order and therefore the presence of God comes and the trouble is that it brings devastation the ministry has so many side effects you'll find that ministries of healing and ministries of deliverance give them six months, two years, three years and they've gone into some old funny thing and you wonder what they're doing or the church uh, goes into the most outrageous doctrines and you think well what on earth happened to them you see churches grow to four or five hundred strong and the minister walks out and bang the work ceases and you think well how can that be if it was a work of God shouldn't it stand of course it should stand and then you see other works spring up and mushroom up and, and then all of a sudden they're gone and you think but that was God and I mean people will tell you oh well yes the Lord moved in that way in that day brother and now he's kind of you know after a year he's got fed up with that so he's moving on but in my Bible it said God in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning always moves the same way so what are these mushroom growths 
well, mushroom growths are usually mushrooms, but there you are. Uh, they spring up, and, and, and you wonder, what are they for? What do they accomplish? So, well, many people were blessed. And you look round, and you think, well, where are they? And they're nowhere to be seen. I remember Ed telling me of a ministry where in one meeting they had 44,000 people healed, some received eyes, been born blind, over a thousand, medically attested, born blind, received eyes, many received healings, man with a leg amputated, the leg grew. And 44 people were added to the church. The local church has got 44 more members. Well, what happened to the rest? It's a big question, isn't it? Hmm? Go to healing meetings, you'll see cues. You know, if you sell it like that. That's a washing up powder, or laundry powder or something. That's the way they present the gospel. There's a due order in these things. When Jesus went forth, he went forth proclaiming repentance, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Levites, David says to the Levites, look, God made a breach on us. Yes, we had entered into praise. And let's face it, these people went, and they went with their timbrels and everything, and trumpets, and were dancing before the presence of God. They'd entered into real freedom in the spirit and the presence of God was there because when someone put his hand on the ark, God slew him. So God was certainly around, wasn't he? Mind you, he performed in a way which they didn't particularly want. But he was there in his power and his glory. They'd done what the Philistines had done and got away with it. But these were the people of God and the people of God can't get away with it. And bang, it's dead. And so David says, now look, there's a due order. Now what do you think was the thing that was demanded of the Levites? Sanctify yourselves. In other words, Levites, if you're going to bring up the ark of God, there's something that's required of you. Holiness. You've got to be set apart. None of this free grace rubbish. You've got to be set apart to the ministry. There's sanctification required if you're going to go this way. And he, David said to the Levites, right, it demands sanctification. And the one thing that always seems to shoot a, a ministry down the tube is what? Sin. How often does a man begin well and then you find he's run off with his secretary? or he's run off with this thing or he's done that or he's misappropriated funds or he's and you think well what's wrong well they haven't sorted after due order you see if I'm going after God seeking power 
I'm going a dangerous way. If I'm going after seeking the presence of God for myself, I'm going a dangerous way. If I seek the presence of God to become a worshipper and lover of him, rather than seeking him to get power to meet other people's needs. You see, the Levites were called to be ministers unto God. The priest ministered to God. When they went into the holy place, there was only God and them. The holy of the holies, there was God and the high priest. The people couldn't see. And you see, so often, the ministry is so outward projected. But if we're called, we're called to go in to God's presence, aren't we? Now, when you go in, and as you go in further, less people come with you. And the thing about it is, you're obscure and you cease to be seen by the people when you really go in, don't you? What hides you? Why? Badger's skins. And you can't, they couldn't see what went on with the priests. They didn't know. And you see, everywhere we've been taught that the direction must be outward. But look at David. Um, let's just look. Um, Um, verse 2 then David said none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever you see my ministry and the ministry of a priest and the ministry of any individual must be one way God would. I've got to learn how to minister to God. When you preach and minister a word, you minister to God. You say, well, don't the people want something? Yeah, but if it's not ministry unto the Lord, then it won't affect anyone. You see, our whole beings have got to be caught up to minister unto him. Our glory and our praise is given unto him. And if he won't accept it, I assure you it won't have an effect on anyone. Our whole direction in evangelicalism is to turn outward to people. They forever tell you, go out, you know, go out, go out, go out, share this, do that. But what I need to do is get in, get in, get in. When Moses wanted to find out what God's words were, what did he do? Went up the mountain. Where did the people stay? Yeah, and they were told, don't you come too near. Moses went up the mountain and he went into a flaming mountain and, and there he was and the people, they were told to stand, you know, they were bound set. The people couldn't go. And if they went or an animal touched it, they were to be thrust through with a dart, weren't they? And slain. And you see, Moses went up. Now, unless we become a people that know how to go up into God and meet God face to face and commune with God, we have nothing. Our whole direction has got to be Godward. When people complain, God came down at the door of the tent he said come on Moses Moses went and communed with God the people stood a long way off 
Now, God doesn't want that anymore. He wants all of us, from the least to the greatest, to know him. But there's a requirement of being set apart. There's a requirement of sanctification and holiness in each individual's life. If you seek God without holiness and without the preparedness uh, of sanctification, it will destroy you. When God comes, if you're going to be in sin and you're going to have hidden sin in your heart, what happens is the power of God destroys you. Now you do understand that. You see it can be life, a savour of life unto life, but it can also be the savour of death unto death. And the place not to hang around is the place where God is if you're not prepared to put your life right. I've got to meet God on his terms in his way. I can't just come along and think that I can enter in any old way and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse me from all sin. For it saith in the scriptures, if I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship one with another, and the blood cleanses me. But if I don't walk in the light of his word, and let's face it, his word is a lamp unto our feet. And if I don't take that word and walk according to that word, the blood doesn't cleanse me, or you. It's conditional. John, when he wrote, said, if we walk in the light, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But the ifs are ifs. Small word, two letters. Very big meaning. You understand what I'm saying? It's conditional. People say, well, I say sorry to God and ask him to cleanse me and that's it. No, no, my friend. God lays conditions down. All right? You want to be cleansed by God? You've got to amend your walk and you've got to walk right according to his word. Now the times of ignorance God will wink at. It says so in the Bible. In other words, if there are things that you should do and you don't know about and you do them in ignorance, well, those are sins of ignorance and there was a scapegoat for that. And a scapegoat was never slain, it was let go, you remember, into the desert never slain didn't need blood for that but once you read the word and you know what God says then it's your responsibility now suddenly you can't afford to ignore it and you've got to amend your life and your walk and all of us have got to sanctify ourselves now we want God and we want revival and we want the restoration of the tabernacle of David don't we hmm Right, but if we go without seeking after the due order and if we seek the presence of God without sanctification we're going to have awful disasters. Now you do understand that. You see, Ananias and Sapphira thought 
but it didn't matter to deceive. I mean, all they said was, well, we sold the lamb for so much. Now, the lamb was theirs. It, it was only a small deception. They just wanted to look a bit better um, than they really were. And what happened to them? Hmm? God slew them. Now, you see, when the real restoration of the tabernacle of David happens, and when it begins to happen, well, there's some unfortunate consequences. Now, because of that, God in his graciousness and his love doesn't answer our prayers when we begin to seek him. People cry out for revival. If God answered their prayer, they might be wound up in a sheet and ditched in the graveyard. Their, wet, their hearts are no way ready. Their lives are no way ready for the presence of God in the midst of the people. And one of the things that always accompanies the work of God where revival is going to break forth is deep repentance now I'm not talking about saying oh Jesus I'm a sinner please forgive me that's not repentance that's stupidity I'm talking about where they realize the exceeding sinfulness of their sin they realize their nature is a serpent nature that they are the embodiment of sin on earth and the chief of sinners and they cry out to God for deliverance And God in his mercy and grace comes to them and cleanses them and sets them free. And they, oh, the weight is gone. You know, the sin. God. And that is a definite experience. Hmm? And then there's a walk where it becomes progressive and God begins to deal with things in the life which are, are neither sinful nor good but just things that he doesn't want they're blots and he begins to deal with those blemishes and each one becomes a battleground it's called the dealings of God and he begins to conform us to his image now it's when that work is really begun and God is beginning to set a man apart then he'll presence himself with him not till then and I'm not talking about the baptism in the spirit as is termed nowadays I mean the real baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost in other words the real restoration of the tabernacle of David the real restoration of power life in holiness you see when Jesus walked the earth he was known by one thing now most people would say well it was his miracles but if you turn with me to Romans chapter 1 it says this concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh 
and declared to be the Son of God with power. How? Not according to the miracles that he did. According to what? That's how he was declared to be the Son of God with power. By the resurrection of the dead, it goes on to say. Okay, it's by the, according to the spirit of holiness. Now, when you start talking about this spirit of holiness, this setting apart, David said, look, you Levites, we didn't come after the due order. Where was the sanctifications? Where was the dealings? Now, do you remember about the sanctifications, the seven days, how they were to be made? Or let's take the cleansing of the leper, which is equal parallel. There was cleansing, then there was cleansing, then there was cleansing, wasn't there? Hmm? And we need those dealings of God before we can see the move of God back into the midst of the people in the power that I'm talking about. Now, I know that God is omnipresent. I know that all of us can know an experience of God from his omnipresence. I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God now. I'm talking about the presence of God. In God we live and move and have our being. That's one thing. But it's a very different thing to be in the holy place. You see that they were in God's presence when they were in the camp of Israel. They could see his presence in the air. They could see a cloudy pillar or they could see a, a pillar of fire by night. They were in his presence. But that was one thing, but it was a mighty different thing to go up into the mountain, into the fire, wasn't it? Where Moses went. When Moses came back, his face shone. And then there was the presence where the Levites went into the tabernacle and ministered. Now that was one presence of God. The others could say, I'm in the presence of God, and they'd be satisfied with their presence of God, but the Levites knew something entirely different. They, they, they related on a different plane. Now, to restore us into the state, we're called to be priests and kings unto our God. In other words, we're not called to live in the court, and they don't understand how to get into the holy place. They've just not got a clue. And we're called to be priests and kings unto our God. Because you're called to be it doesn't mean you are it. People will get up and say, well, I'm a priest in my home. No, you're not. Just because um, you're, you happen to be married and have a wife and children doesn't make you a priest. There's got to be the sanctifications and the dealings of God. This is why books by men, you know, who, who write books, who think they know something, talk about you know the priesthood of the man in the home but a man's not qualified to be a priest just because he's married and calls himself a Christian there's got to be the dealings of God go on he's got to have that relationship where he was a priest unto his God where he ministers unto God and if he doesn't know how to do that he can't expect to minister to his family the whole relationship is so much more important and personal and what we've done is we've denigrated it and brought it down to the common level. And remember, when they took the ark, 
The ark was meant to be covered in a blue veil. Do you remember? It was never to be moved. The common people weren't allowed to look upon the ark of the covenant. It was always covered. And blue speaks of grace. As you'll know if you remember the study of the tabernacle. Now, what's happened today is people have put the ark on an oxen car and it's the glory of God's to the open view of the common man. And they've made the precious things of God common. They've told anyone you can come and be filled with the Holy Ghost, you can receive gifts, you can do this, you can do that. And they haven't bought repentance, the dealings of God, the seeking of God, the true new birth. And they haven't brought people to that deep, deep, deep inward cleansing. And they've given the holy things of God to the dogs. And let's face it, it's the dogs that take the crumbs that fall from the master's table. But that doesn't mean you're eating at the master's table. Just because you get healed or you get blessed, that's just a crumb, you're a dog. Doesn't mean you're anywhere eating with the master. You understand that? And we need to realize that there is a relationship. I mean, none of us want to be dogs, do we? Looking for what's going to be spilt off the edge of the table so we can go and greedily gobble it up. I've got a dog called Cindy. And she's like a vacuum cleaner. She sniffs around. And if anything falls from the table, from one of the kiddies' plates, she's over there. And she's got it. Boom. Gone. Unfortunately, my children know that. Uh, and I have to watch that there is no devious... Uh, feeding of the dog and therefore she remains in the kitchen if I spot her but um, the thing is that we need to understand the relationship and you see part of what David's learning here is there is a relationship with God and there is a due order in which God may be sought and there is a due order in bringing the presence of God back into the midst of the people now the common people are the people amongst whom we live. The people who are the Levites are the true believers. But for true believers who are truly regenerate, there's something that's necessary. Hmm? Sanctification. That means being set apart. My whole life and your life needs to be set apart for one thing to bring back the presence of God to the people what do people need today? they need God, don't they? Hmm? but I need to be set apart to minister unto him but everyone wants to get out and minister to the multitudes but it would be better if I ministered unto him and got his power and his presence here because I assure you he ministers a lot better than you will and you see when God's in the midst of his people you'll find he'll do the miracles I know you can get the odd psychosomatic cure and if you yank someone's leg long enough you might convince them you stretched it um, but in reality 
Don't you want to see the power of God? I do. But I know that there's only one way to that, and that is totally different from man's way. It's not going out and uh, 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 preaching to this one and preaching to that one. Why? It's going in. As we go in, God's presence is there. As God's presence is there, people will get met. So what are you doing? Well, I'm ministering to God. And you find this person's healed, that person's delivered, uh, and God did it. Isn't that the best way to go? Hmm? It's God who's got to do these things. And when God comes, he does them. And you see, the whole of Christendom's gone wrong. It's got need conscious instead of God conscious. It's always pointing to the, the fields that are white to harvest. Of course they are. But do you know who does the harvesting? The angels. So, well, I thought it was us. No, it says in the scriptures, uh, the, the angels do the harvesting. Trouble is, people are all, always going, God says, pray the laborers, send laborers into the fields to do the harvest. But you read the scriptures, you'll find it was the angels. That's what Jesus said. And so, I release the spirit powers when I get hold of God. What did Daniel do? Well, there were revivals that came when Daniel fasted and prayed to God. What happened? Do you remember? An angel was sent to speak with him and was held up. And there was a fight in heaven. Now revivals came out of Daniel's fasting, but Daniel was ministering to God. He was afflicting himself to get through to God. He wasn't seeking revival. He was seeking God's face. And God dispatched an angel straight away. The first day Daniel prayed, God dispatched an angel to him. In fact, we're going to do that in the Bible study. Someone's doing Daniel, sir. Carolyn, I think, is dealing with that. But the, an angel comes. But all the revival happened years after through Daniel's one prayer. It took a long time to pray it. And why? Some of the prayers people prayed for 12 years. One of the prophets prayed a prayer, same prayer for 12 years. You imagine at the end of 12 years it was prayed out of every fiber of his being. But you see, they were ministers to God. They, they saw it was a Godward ministry. And what David saw, he suddenly saw, look, we want to bring back the presence of God in the midst of the people. It's got to be the Levites. They've got to be sanctified and set apart to bring back the presence of God. That's why we spend time seeking God and reading the word and studying the scriptures do you know why we asked you why you came well I want to tell you why we're doing it because you see sanctify them Jesus said with thy truth thy word is truth the way that people come to sanctification is by a study of the word of God in the power of the spirit as they study that they're set apart 
as they begin to obey it so sanctification happens Jesus said sanctify them with thy truth thy word is truth so I need to know the word of God and as we get more and more spending more and more time studying the word and seeking God's face so people are getting sanctified that's what's happening inside say well their battle's starting yeah it's setting you apart from different things in your life it's dealing with deeper levels say well it's greater commitment you know it's hard of course it is who said it would be easy Jesus said what man putting his hand to the plow and turning back is fit for the kingdom the truth of it is we've got to take up our cross deny ourselves and follow him he's given a way he's given a due order by which we may come into sanctification through thy word O God now if I won't take the time to really get hold of his word and I'm talking about his written word it is logos if I won't take the time to study it and to seek God then I won't get sanctified people say to me I want to know what the will of God is well it's in the book what's the will, his will for my life read this book and you'll know keep reading it seek it that's how now you see that's how we do it in the Levite time it was the outward ceremony but they were only pictures of that which was to come and we've got to understand that Jesus said sanctify them with thy truth thy word is truth now that's where you go to the labour and you get washed it's where the blood is if I walk in the light as he is in the light what is the light? why? thy word is a lamp to my feet or a light to my feet now if I walk in the light as he's in the light how did he walk? why he walked according to father's word didn't he? he came and fulfilled the scriptures now what I've got to do is learn to walk fulfilling the scriptures the commandments of God I've got to fulfill them in my life now if I fulfill them then his blood will cleanse me and I'll get set apart for God now the more time I spend getting set apart for God the better so well, everyone has to work yeah everyone has to work but you can work walking a holy life can't you and you can work and let the word of God be the touchstone for all your dealings with everyone else Well, I heard the other day that a man who, who um, deals in, in things has sent a form back to the council and he's filled it in dishonestly. I found out about that and I'm on part of the committee. I'm going to ha have it sorted out as soon as the committee meets again. I'm not lending my name to dishonesty. He said, well, he filled it in and signed it. He might have done, but I'm jointly responsible and if necessary I'll go to the council and tell them why? well not because I want to get at him but I've got to walk in the light can't afford to lend my name to this corruption can you? 
you see and we've got to see that our walk has got to be right we've got to be careful and blameless as far as lies in you of course people are going to blame you for everything I mean, there's some group going around on who say where the moon is not loonies, moonies I mean load of rubbish said to a vicar I was with today I said you know that he laughed when he heard that said they're calling us dangerous he said you're not dangerous <laughs> get on well with him but um, see his whole attitude's different but people who don't want to walk in the light why their deeds are evil they don't want to come to the light because their deeds will be manifest that they're darkness but a person who walks in light has nothing to fear stick it on the wall if you like that doesn't matter well, I'm going to do it straight it's God's word there's no lie amen and you see we're being set apart for this this is part of what we're studying the scriptures for God says this right that's what I'm going to do people say well you can't do that I remember when I, I was um, I was uh, working for a, a firm years ago um, and, and I found that they were pulling a fast one on all my clients and the manager said to me he said ring him up and tell him it was paper that was meant to have come from America and it come from Canada Mills instead and it was faulty and he said and they went and changed all the labels in the factory stuck a label over saying American when it was Canadian and he said oh tell your clients there was a mistake in the boxing and I said I'm not doing any such thing he said you better because it's going to cause trouble if you don't and my biggest customer rang me up which was Littlewoods and they said where's this paper from, come from I said Canada so they've stuck labels over it saying America it's not true they sued my company and got about £15,000 from them I couldn't care less I said you deserve to lose every penny they didn't sack me I just said well I told the truth I said I'm not lying for you so if you want to play the fool you do it I said but um no way will I I said these customers respect me they believe what I say and that's the way it's going to be I said but you'll lose all your business I was third top salesman in Europe didn't affect me affected a lot of them though they went round and told lies and their customers got furious I went round and told the truth and apologised so we've got a real problem see if we can sort it out together I found that honesty was the best policy the others started with one lie then another and then they heard about my customers who got compensation <laughs> mm. <laughs> all round you know they knew that people know they find out if you find something about a lie tell one and it's not long before you've got to tell another to support the first one and soon you've got to tell so many you can't remember what's truth and what's error. Isn't that so? I mean, we don't want to walk that way. There's no point in it. 
If God doesn't bless us, we're not going to be blessed, so we might as well start off with the truth and walk his way. Hmm? Uh, and that's the way it goes. <laughs> People used to get very annoyed with me about it. The manager used to bring up and say, you know, people would get on the phone and, uh, um, and they'd ring me up and say, I'd like to speak to Mr. Fagan. I, I'd call him, Bob, there's someone on the phone for you. Tell him I'm not in. I said, Mr. Fagan wants me to tell you he's not in, so I'll hand him over. I used to hand him the phone. What do you mean by that? He'd say after he put the phone down. <laughs> you do your own line. But he found it awkward to tell someone he wasn't in when he was speaking. Uh, you know used to threaten all sorts said I used to laugh all the way to the bank God honours it God honours you if you stand by what you believe Amen you, you've got to be honest and you see we're here to bring the blessing of God to people but we need to be set apart. We've got to walk a different way from everyone else. And that walking a different way means that you won't be popular with the charismatics because they're loose living. Because, you see, I believe that the Old Testament's vital. Don't you? The Old Testament and the law is the schoolmaster that brings me to Christ. What you get if you get someone who's never been to school? What do you end up with? Someone who's illiterate, someone who's very indisciplined, and someone who's a pain in the neck. Now, I'm told the law is the schoolmaster to bring me to Christ. I know one thing, without the schoolmaster and without being under tutors, I won't get to Christ. Not in a sanctified manner. That's what the scripture says. And as I like to say, I didn't write it. And believe, no or not, that the schoolmaster, the law being the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ and us needing to be under tutors is in the New Testament. And so David looks back in the old scriptures and he says, now come on, God brought judgment on us because we didn't do it his way now who's volunteering with those conditions to do it their way who's volunteering say so, yeah I, I want the presence of God back but I'll do it my way not me thank you if that's what you want to do find a church to do it in don't do it here we don't want dead bodies and we don't want to have to bury people I've had to bury someone none of people die because they haven't done it God's way God has smote them dangerous thing once you go into this realm you see it's alright if you're just playing about with giftings and you know like dogs yapping around the master's table and just getting the odd crumb. I mean, you, you get away with things, you know, you're just a Gentile. But if you're coming into priesthood and you want the real power of his presence, you're dealing in a different area, my friend. 
you're dealing in an area where God is and where you'll die God said of the priests and of the Levites he said they better wash every time else they die now I'm not talking just about physical death I'm talking about spiritual death coming in unclean brings spiritual death ignoring the ways of God brings spirit death and spirit death is more death than being you know dead physically and David realized this and the restoration of the tabernacle of David is all to do with learning the principles and ways of God so well how does it apply to me well it applies to you in the sense that though you might not like it God never varies his word and what God says goes and his word is unchangeable Jesus said not one jot or tittle is going to pass from the law till everything's fulfilled and I want to tell you there are prophecies in the Old Testament that have never been fulfilled Daniel prophesied of that which is going to come in the end time it's also mentioned in Revelation not every word's been fulfilled people said Christ fulfilled the word he did he fulfilled the word of the prophets that spoke of him but the word hasn't been fulfilled you do understand that there are words still to be fulfilled I believe there's going to be a time when Christ comes and rules for a thousand years on the earth and I'm not talking about a thousand years in just the span of time I believe it'll be a, a day can be as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day so I don't know how God's going to do that but it's a span of time when God's going to rule and Christ is going to be king and his nation's going to accept him again I believe that that hasn't been fulfilled yet now that was foretold in the Old Testament Jesus said not a jot or a tittle is going to pass all applies and do you know something unfortunately for every one of you it applies to you every jot and every tittle is for you why the minister today when I spoke to him he said well he had financial difficulties in the church and I said well don't your people tithe well um, 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 well actually no I said well don't you teach it well um, uh, um, well it's Old Testament I said well don't you ever teach it I said well um, um, uh, I have recommended it once I said but you're to preach the whole counsel of God I said you're robbing people of a blessing God promises to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing such as they're not able to contain if they stop robbing. He said, well, I believe it. So I said, well, why don't you teach it? Well, he said, the uncommitted people would all leave. So I said, well, wouldn't you be better off without the uncommitted people? Well, he said, yeah, yes, in some cases I would be. So I said, well, why don't you teach it? well uh, well well uh, well um. well we have a different circumstance here you see we minister 
to the congregation and then we minister the people that come to the church building and then we minister the people who are committed and we have to incorporate all of them oh I said I thought we were called a minister unto God and his word and I left it at that because what else can you say do you know these things are here for us to understand you do get that and let's go on then in um, the preparation was necessary and if you turn with me to Exodus chapter 19 Exodus chapter says this and the Lord said unto Moses in verse 10 go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about saying take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mountain or touch the border of it whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death there shall n um, not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning there were thunderous lightnings. Now, even though the people weren't going into priesthood what were they expected to do wash themselves cleanse themselves and sanctify themselves and these people weren't having nothing to do with God in the sense of going into the power of his presence they stood afar off as you'll see later on and um In 2 Chronicles 29. You remember Hezekiah began to reign. Uh, and in verse 2 and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done in the first year of his reign in the first month opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them and he bought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together 
into the east street. And he said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, to hissing, as you see with your eyes. What did he tell the Levites to do? And wherever you get a revival or restoration, the thing that is always first pointed out, Levites, priests, sanctify yourselves. And the one thing that's missing in this day and age is a call to the people of God and it shouldn't be a call to the world it's a call to the people of God repent turn you make you new hearts make you new spirits sanctify yourself set yourselves apart from the world start being different why they call you a religious fanatic if you go to Bible studies twice a week and you go to meetings four times a week you're a religious fanatic of course you are but you're setting yourself apart to God and that's what's necessary to be set apart to him and it was a process wherever you get revival in scripture set yourselves apart that's the call of God where is a people that will be set apart for him and God's calling us out and God wants a people who are holy who are set apart who will live according to his word who will study his word till they know the light and walk in that way do you know it's more important to know the word of God than to know who won between West Ham and some foreign people that no one could watch it's more important to know the word of God than to know what Callaghan's planning or what Wedgwood Ben's doing whoever they are I mean it's more important really that we know the ways of God yet you will find the majority of Christians spend most of their time going the wrong way and looking at the wrong things why there's a woman called Mary Whitehouse she spends all her time being disgusted now the reason she's disgusted is she's going around and finding out everything that's dirty that's going on and then she's complaining about it but if she spent her time getting into God we might see revival if she spent her time instead of concentrating on sin concentrating on God I was told of one man who reads all the newspapers so he can write to the editors and complain about the bad articles. But I mean, what's the point? You ask him what's in the Bible and he hasn't had time to read it. Now you become like what you look at most. And if you look at filth, you become filthy. If you look into the word of God and the law of liberty you become free 
It depends where you concentrate your life and your energy. Sanctify yourselves. Now there is no hope of going any further beyond this point. There's no hope of a restoration of the tabernacle of David without sanctification. This is the point we've got to. It's the point of no return. At this point, people will go one of two ways. Some people will think it's unnecessary. Well, all I can say to you is, God bless you. God thought it necessary. Peter's first sermon was, Repent, believe, be baptized, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Repentance was to righteous men he spoke because they were the, the people out of every tribe and nation under earth who had come together to Jerusalem to sacrifice and they were devout and holy men. Cornelius' household was full of holy men. When did you have angels appearing to you in visions? When did you have God speaking to you? When did you fast and pray regularly? That was Cornelius. Then God said, okay, send for Peter you're ready to receive the Holy Ghost we've belittled it till the first time you mention the name of Jesus ask him into your heart now receive the Holy Ghost doesn't happen that way God doesn't come and fill a vessel oh yeah I know they can move in gifts by anointings but there's no real infilling who are we kidding God's ways haven't changed and he loves you too much to fill you because he'd have to kill you wouldn't want to do that in his grace and his love we ask him to do things and in his grace and his love he doesn't do them how often have you prayed for things that if God had let you have them it would have destroyed you hmm? and yet people will say ask and you shall receive knock and it shall be open that's true but God also is a gracious loving heavenly father He's not about to give you something that's going to kill you. So he's withheld his hand. He said, all right, I want to do it, and I'm bringing your heart to that place. And of course, he's bringing it about, and he's heard your prayer, but there's the dealings of God going on. Suddenly you're finding there's warfare in your heart. You find your minds play, your afflictions in your body, and all sorts of things, and God begins to deal with you. And you begin to cry out for deliverance in this area and that area. And you wonder why inside you feel as though you're being torn apart. Well, it's God beginning to say, well, I want to meet you. But there's one or two things I've got to pull out of your life first. I want to bless you. But I really don't want to destroy you. So I've got to do one or two little minor bits of surgery. Like amputation. I've got to do one or two little corrections. You know, plastic surgery isn't going to cover this one up. We've got to get rid of it. And in his grace and his love, he's beginning to dig down. Amen? That's what's going on. Because he wants to restore the tabernacle of David. Now, I know it's not a welcome subject but it's the truth. What are we called to be? 
sanctified. How are we sanctified? By the word of God. My, every time we read it, somehow, have you found that things kind of come out of the scriptures and they hit you and you begin to realize, I haven't lived up to that, and God brings conviction and you repent, you begin to amend your walk, and then you find there's a fight. Suddenly, once it would have been easy, but now you find God wants you to do it, it's terribly difficult. And then there's a battle goes on inside, and it's your will against God's will, and then there's a fight. Does God really want me to do it, or doesn't he want me to do it? Am I deceiving myself? Is the devil leading me wrong? What's happening? I don't know whether it's God or not. If it was God, it should be easy. No, it shouldn't. Because, you see, there has to be a death worked in us. And that death is painful. Denying yourself is not a pleasant thing. Self-denial means, you know, it's costing you something. We like to believe self-denial is an easy thing. And that is what a lot of people have boasted of. You know, oh yes, I'm, you know, I've denied myself, taken up my cross and followed him. And when I look at their lives, they're just self-willed bigots. They're doing it all in the name of Jesus, but it's nothing to do with his will. We're called to walk according to his way. And what we're doing now is God's beginning to show us the ways of God. But we've got to seek him after his due order. Now there is no other way and the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. I don't want to be under grace. I want to have a schoolmaster bring me right into the life of God, don't you? Hmm? Of course I believe in the grace of God. He's gracious enough not to have answered some of my prayers. He's gracious enough to board affliction. He's gracious enough to have dealt with me. Wonderful grace, isn't it? Hmm? Gracious enough to have caused big problems. Gracious enough to have spoken so loudly that one day he'll knock me down the stairs and the next he'll patch me up. Gracious enough to close up jobs, open others. Gracious enough to move me from one end of the country to the other. Gracious enough to touch my family show me things and then meet them gracious enough to do this gracious enough to do that but you see it's all grace but that's not the type of grace we want is it what we want is oh we just want Jesus to come and bless us you know give us just our heart's desire and, you know not, not, not give us any problems Jesus, we just want you to take all our problems away and we want it to be a nice, easy life full of love and, you know, a nice, light, easy thing. Oh, Lord, and thank you that you can deliver us and if any problem comes along, we rebuke the devil and we get him off our shoulder and, oh, Lord, you know, it's so good to be following you and what a humbug. You know, Job never once said it was the devil. Let us come to reality, eh? That's why I said it 
what I wanted to share tonight you can't really sing there's nothing that kind of fits in except woe is me I'm undone <laughs> uh, Lord I need your dealings Amen I need you to search me out David prayed search me out oh God see if there be any wicked way in me well David a wicked way in him yeah David and he prayed that a long way down the road glory to God amen and if you think you're greater than David when did you kill a Goliath we've got to seek him after his due order how did the Levites bring the ark on their shoulders in other words it took effort shoulder speaks of strength and it took all their strength to bring it about wasn't something that was done easily and it was a heavy thing that's the way we have to go there's a cost and it's going to take effort and it's going to take all your energy but there is glorious reward oh if you'll just sanctify yourselves and you'll set yourselves with all your strength to go after God then he'll surely meet when you seek him with all your heart sanctify yourselves unto him that's the call of God may we be those who seek God after the due order may God begin to deal with our lives in depth and reality let's pray dear father lord you know all our hearts and you know our needs Lord there's a need of sanctification and being set apart according to your word Lord you've said that your word is truth and your truth sanctifies and sets us apart Lord cause us to be those who study your word who walk using your word as a lamp for our feet who guide our lives by your word cause us to be those of God who set themselves apart to seek your face after the due order of things Lord give us the grace to set ourselves apart for you Lord take away the apathy and bring in a determination to see your face Bring in a determination, O oh God, to live totally abandoned to you. 
Lord Jesus, Lord have mercy on each heart and life. Lord, put a zealousness for your kingdom within each heart that we might minister unto you. Lord, meet our needs. Jesus, burn the message deep within each heart. By your Spirit, take what's been said, O God, and apply it. Apply it to our lives. Don't let it just fall on deaf ears, O God. Open each life to it, we pray. And Lord, quicken us according to your word. Make us alive to hear and to walk in it. Pray in Jesus' precious wonderful name.